someone come on it's time for the hashtag racing family show come on in y'all it's a happy it's a welcoming place hello to everybody here by the way thank you for uh thank you for joining in christy how you doing pal you're truly the day one og our first little test show you were here coaching me up how you doing pal thanks to uh everybody that's joining in here mr wheeler we always try and give uh give folks a little bit of time to uh filter in get seated the uh the ushers on the uh the hashtag racing family show getting everyone hey there asher and family uh chrissy trying to let the ushers do their work and get everyone seated here so uh let's let's say hello to everybody hi marshall how are you I'm tired. <laughs> I was up, uh, if we're talking Texas time, 5.30. If we're talking California body clock time, 3.30 to uh, catch a flight this morning. I was supposed to fly home last night from good old Texas. But uh, the first leg uh, coming out of Dallas was crazy delayed by many hours. And it meant that by the time I would have gotten to Las Vegas, there would have been no flights home. So I just pushed it early this morning to get home and uh, had about an hour and 15 minutes um, to take a little home COVID test and then shower and then head off to the first of my wife's two appointments. So I'm currently sitting in front of her second. And uh, that's why we're starting an hour earlier on Mondays. And I'm sitting here with the window slightly down on our Mazda. And I have a little package of rodent bedding, guinea pig bedding uh, on my lap with my laptop on top of it. And my phone here speaking to you and our friends here on the little hashtag racing family. I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, luckily we uh, we got there pretty quick last night. I think we landed back at the FBO here on the side of the Indy airport, I think about 7, 7.30. So it was, it was nice to be home last night. and not be on the road especially after yesterday was the uh the walmart uh or whatever it was warehouse that fire finally come to an end at some point in time there by the airport man so um crazy thing we actually drove by it on the way home last night and uh wow um it was, it was nuts like so it got that building. You could see how far the heat had traveled. You could see like the trans, like the well, the tractor trailers in the parking lot that had been affected by it. That it had melting. It was still smoldering. Oh boy! Um, I've never actually got my smell back from COVID completely. I only smell like random stuff, and none of it is good. Um, but who I was with in the car said they could smell it like really potently. Um, and then I played golf today, at Eagle Creek, which is. I don't know, northwest side of town, about six, seven miles northwest of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And um, there was chunks of, of ash debris in some of the fairways. And we saw it at my office in Brownsburg, which is just a little bit further west on the golf course, which is all directly north of Plainfield, technically, where that warehouse fire was. And so, um, you know, the, the ash trail went about 30, 40 miles north. Brutal. Well... We might have some fun guests joining us in, some uh, some of those who took part in the XPEL 375. I would say, Chris, if you agree, 
It was only a two-day event, but it actually felt like it was a pretty grinding, wear you out type deal, even though, again, it was a relatively short event. Uh, so I think, yeah, a number of our friends from the paddock are either sleeping right now. Uh, ben Bretzman was enjoying some uh, adult beverages on the porch when we spoke earlier. He might join in. Uh, a couple folks might join in. But uh, Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Patterson from Nindy Lights actually was in Texas. He was hanging out with the Point crew. Um, and he uh, actually played golf with us today, and um, he lost. So that's cool. I did not lose. Um, my team, my team came out victorious, which is nice to get a win, and maybe maybe make a couple dollars. But um, off of children, Wheeler. Seriously, We're, you're taking money off of kids now. Hey, if you come to the golf course, you play for money. As long as you're over the age of eighteen, doesn't matter. I just want to hear Benjamin say, you know. Uh, I'm close to an IndyCar deal next year. I'm just short a little bit of cash, to which we can all blame you. Uh, Hunter McElroy was on my team. All right, well, that's not so bad. See? So we got some Indy Lights on Indy Lights action. Exactly. That's, uh, that was it. We, we had two, two Indy Lights kids out there. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we welcome some of our, uh, our listeners, our hashtag racing family members here on our little show brought to you by Cooper Tires the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com to uh, request to speak. And let's start chopping up Texas. 248 laps of surprisingly good racing. So let's get the conversation started, y'all. Jamie Carr, you're, uh, you're P1. You're on pole for this episode. We're going to add you as a speaker here, Jamie. Nathan DeRover. Oh, my goodness. We get Nathan on here, too. We're going to add you as a speaker. And Jamie, why don't you unmute yourself? Looks like you already did. And uh, the floor is yours. Where are we going to start this uh, XFL 375 conversation? Um, uh, thanks, Marshall. And thanks, Chris, for, for uh, doing this racing family thing. It's a pretty uh, cool thing that happens every week. So uh, not to say it's the highlight of my week, but it, it's up there. Um, I thought the race was much better than everyone was expecting. Um, told a friend of mine who's uh, more of an F1 fan. I actually texted him during the race, said, you need to watch it. I knew he was DVRing it for later. But where my, my kind of question is coming from, I know Pato had that incident in the in the pits. I, I'm just kind of curious if there are like an unwritten rule that obviously if no one's seriously hurt or whatnot, that when drivers do stuff like that, that they like, you know, take the crew guys out for dinner, carry their stuff for the next week, you know. Um, you know, I can't, I can't not, tell you that, you know. That's like um, specific, but is there like an unwritten paddock rule? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like everybody's everybody's concerned about the guys, and unfortunately, Norm, who got hit, it's not the first time. I think it's like his sixth hit, and he's been doing this. <laughs> Norm, Norm's been there for a long time. Um, this is this just thing. motorized hockey for uh, yeah. for Norm. He's used to getting uh, hip checked and, and thrown into the glass. Yeah, but for those that were listening via the IndyCar app to our radio chat, which there is hopefully a bunch of you. Um, he, he did get on the radio under later caution, apologized, um, to check on him and then, to, then told Norm on the radio, he was buying him beer. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's it, right? The drivers and their crew, like it's a relationship. The, the guys show up to the track when the drivers get there. The first thing they do is say good morning to the guys and, and girls that work on the car and on the team. The last thing they do is before they leave, we'll say goodbye. So it's, it's a relationship and it's a bond and, 
you know, these guys are out there driving 220 plus and they're trusting these, these mechanics to, you know, make sure they're doing their job right. And so there's definitely a bond there and there's definitely a level of respect. And obviously nobody ever wants to get hurt in the pit box, but that's also why we have rules now. I mean, I couldn't imagine how bad it was when I was a kid because I didn't pay attention to that as much. And, you know, there wasn't a speed limit. There wasn't safety gear. Um, you know, and you're doing a buck 40 down the pit lane trying to maximize it. And you have an issue like you just had this weekend where, you know, a driver slides his box like that. And whew, no good, man. It's no good. But good question. There's Thank another you. element to this too, Jamie. And it's maybe a little more human nature than racing specific. You ever, I don't know, been walking through a crowd and someone doesn't see you and they bump into you, not necessarily like face to face, but maybe they just hit you in the side a little bit and turn you around. Um, some folks making that mistake will be mortified and they'll stop and turn around and apologize. Are you okay? I'm so sorry. And right, a little incident. It's forgotten about quickly. The person was very nice and gracious. Some folks will do that and just keep it moving and not be particularly motivated to say sorry, turn around, see if you're okay. Just they're the kings of the world. We don't have too many drivers like that, but that kind of personality dynamic directly influences how these things play out. So there is no paddock kind of accepted way of doing these things. Of course, every driver is going to feel bad, but at the same time, you're also going to have some who other than saying, Hey, okay. All right. Sorry. And they're moving it on. They're looking at you as service providers. They're looking at you as implements that are used to help facilitate their career. Most of the drivers are not that cold, but there are some who honestly, hey, sorry, nothing's broken. You're going to be okay. All right, fine. And that's about it. Others, uh, they will definitely take it more personally and make a much bigger effort to make sure that um, you're cared for and uh, the connection, that bond that they tried to build with you remains really strong so totally depends on the driver okay well thanks very much you know I'd, I'd be willing to bet that if marshall hit me on his golf cart in the paddock he would not stop and be concerned he would just keep going and say i've got a deadline i would get mad at you for messing up the bottom of the golf cart how dare you the the, the alignment <laughs> Wheeler. The fact, the fact that you think the golf cart was going to get over me. That was my <laughs> well, favorite true. part of that. Yeah, <laughs> you, and I, you and I would make the two biggest speed bumps in IndyCar, so we do have that. Uh, Nathan, you were, uh, you were our second friend added to the list here. Unmute yourself and uh, say hello. Where, uh, where are we taking this Texas conversation, my friend? Oh, somewhat funny and somewhat serious, I think. Um, we, I think that we set a dangerous precedent this weekend. Um, the race was great, and I'm afraid that the reason it was great is because Will Power was right. Um, what else is he going to end up being right about? What else do we have in store if we start listening to his suggestions with any regularity? I mean, I expect him to be calling for aliens to be that was, that upper groove to a That's rough the game. first one, yeah. <laughs> right? Granted, I do believe uh, most alien spacecraft have contracts with Cooper Tires, supporter of our show here. So I don't know if that's going to mesh perfectly with the Firestone rubber. But yeah, actually, kidding aside, it was really interesting, Nathan, to listen to race winner Joseph Newgarden uh, 
in uh, the long post-race press conference. And he said, look, running that second groove, that special session, it didn't work in terms of fully activating that second lane. But it did enough to allow us to feel more confident in using portions of it. So we really, except for the rare, rarest occasions, did not get drivers going too wide through turns one and two or uh, three and four. But we did have from that half-hour session where it was just a lot of scrubbing and picking up, uh, a lot of the little remnants of the PJ1 that are down in little pockets inside the, uh, the track surface, there's a lot of effort not just to put down some rubber there, but also to pick up some of what was not scraped off of the surface easily that did bring enough of it to life to where drivers could use it a little bit on corner entry, a little bit of corner exit. And that's what opened up a lot of the, uh, the great passing that we saw more than double the amount of passes we saw combined from last year's double Texas rounds. So yeah, uh, it didn't work as planned, but we got enough of a benefit from it, at least according to the race winner, that it's worth doing again and maybe doing more of and, and you know, well, and farther. Marshall, here's the, and it's a great, great thing to talk about, but it's also one thing that truly pissed me off this weekend. And, and it, it pissed me off because, you know, there was only like eight of us, nine of us that took the time to go out there and run that session. And we risked our equipment. You know, we, we, we put time on our cars, put time on our parts, put time on our motors. But sure enough, at the end of the race, it's won by a guy who chose not to participate. Somebody who chose not to help for the better. Somebody who chose not to do the things that some of the other people were doing. Yet he was more than happy to take advantage of it and rip the top. And that, like, that bothered me, right? Like, yeah, that was good. It was better than we expected. But how good could it have been if maybe everybody decided, hey, we should do this together. We should do this because we all want better racing. If you go back to 2020, you know, our cars, we didn't. We were almost, we were pretty dominant in one, in a one group racetrack. So why in the world would we want it to give people opportunities to have a two-group racetrack, you know? And so, but we did it for the better of the sport. And then people took advantage of it in the race that didn't want anything to do with actually making it better. That, that just annoys me. I hear you. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about those who opted out, there were no Andretti cars and there were no Ganassi cars. So that's seven right there taken off the board. Elio went out, so we could say, of course, that's kind of a uh, Andretti car by extension. Um, was interesting. Will, Will was the only Pinsky car. Understood. Understood. Um, granted. And he was mega. Well, he was, but he could also, you know, he could not sit that one out no, and, and not for it. So that was always going to happen. Those, but, those were his words in the paddock. He goes, I, I don't have a choice. Actually, listen, I have to go do it. Yeah. The only um, one who disappointed me among the runners was Elio and his <laughs> fastest lap in that half hour session was five, six miles an hour better than anyone else. And it was because he spent a fair amount of time uh, running around the low lane. Uh, <laughs> he did. He, tried, he but... tried a little bit on the tried a little bit in turns one and two to get up a little bit. Gave up on that. Then tried to run the high line, the NASCAR line in three and four for a little bit. But basically, it seemed like Elio went out with only his interest in mind, 
not really trying to put down the rubber where IndyCar was asking him to and was just trying to come up with something that might work for him. And yeah. uh, again, that just didn't seem to be something that fell within the spirit of, yes. uh, I think, what we were expecting. But, um, you know, what was interesting, though, about that that kind of groove, I mean, I know our car drove around, we probably drove around 15 cars total on the day on the top. And it wasn't just on a restart. It wasn't in the first two laps. We did it 10, 12, 15, 20 laps into a stint. Now, the longer the stint went on, the quicker the quicker the, the, the spotter says clear the cars were coming back down. But um, what was interesting to me, though, was it was almost like a dirt cushion. So if you can load the car and get in there on it, you could hold it. The moment you enter and somebody ran you up the track or bumped you up into it, as we saw with Kyle Kirkwood, when someone, the driver underneath him, just kind of floated up a little bit and Kyle didn't start there but ended there, you were holding on, right? So it was, if you could load up and enter on the cushion, which is what it was, you could rip it. But the moment you had to try and enter under it and get to it, it was game over. Why don't we uh, Why don't we welcome in here Asher's Racing Channel, young Asher, I think the world's youngest IndyCar reporter. I'm not sure if it's Asher himself or his dad, but uh, why don't you unmute yourself and welcome yourself to the show? As much as I wish it was Asher, it's not. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> we sure can. It's up. There's, there's look. It's all equally as good. There, there, there's no worries whatsoever here. We're getting about half, maybe, of what you're saying. By the way, brother. So I don't know if there's a better cell signal or Wi-Fi signal in the house, but uh, if you can find that corner, that would be our best friend. And I'm going to go ahead and send an invitation to speak to my pal Ben Bressman, race engineer for the Scott McLaughlin. Uh, hey there, Ben Bretzman. Say hello, unmute yourself, and say hello on the Hashtag Racing Family Show. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, spent the uh, afternoon here re-watching the race, looking for the alternate ending button, but couldn't find it. Oh, oh, oh. Man, so I was heartbroken. so heartbroken for you. Yeah, it was uh, it's a lot of laps led. Not the ultimate result, but it was a, it was good. Good race, nonetheless. I, I can't blame the kid too much. I mean, it's his third ever super speedway race. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of those things. Man, it, uh, that was mega. Well, you guys, I mean, whatever you guys had rolling there was, was rolling pretty dang good, if I could tell you, because I know we spent majority of the time trying to chase it down. And, uh, seems like, I mean, you, just, you guys got the calls right, right? I mean, the strategy stuff worked out. Um, the clean air of the car was absolutely brilliant. Um, so good, good work. That's got to kind of give you a little bit of positive energy headed now as we get closer to the month of May for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, you know, obviously every, everybody knows it's, we as a team as Penske struggled at Indy last year a bit, particularly in qualifying. And, um, so a lot of work went into speedway type stuff this off season. And this was kind of like the first, first shot of it to see where we were and obviously went pretty well. Um, yeah, no, I, Scott's, Scott's really, uh, really impressive to watch on the oval as young as he is, like, you know, on the oval itself. So, um, yeah, it was a really interesting race, uh, particularly in that middle part, obviously we leading, um, we burned a lot of fuel. Uh, if this sounds like the 2019 Indy 500, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> um, burn, burn a lot of fuel out front. Then in the middle of the race, we were actually trying to get back so we could get back on strategy. And that's what that's when all that exciting racing started happening because nobody 
Will went up and took the lead, but then he realized that he couldn't save enough fuel. So then he tried to go backwards. Then we let VK run for a while, and it was it was really amusing to watch uh, how slow could you go and and who wanted to lead and um, made actually for some really interesting racing in the middle of the race there. You know, there was a point there where, where you know we're trying to run run down the group, and I thought to myself, you know, they got the whole at least the whole backstretch covered here. Catch leaders catching traffic, and I thought. There's no way he's going to keep this pace. Like he's going to have yeah. to sit on these guys and try and save fuel. We're going to be fine here. We're going to be right in the mix before we know it. Everything's going to be good. And then, of course, our day went to complete hell in a handbasket. But <laughs> yeah, it 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 was interesting though. I thought watching, like you could tell there was that point where nobody wanted to lead the race, and it was really funny watching them all trying like. Well, I just want to let one guy go, but I don't want to get sent back too far because I don't want to burn fuel to, yeah. to catch back up to save fuel. Like so, they they're like wanting to let him go, but not really wanting to let him go too much. And it got hairy there for a while. And then, of course, we needed a yellow to get our lap back. And they people, you guys, I'm not lying to you. People were doing their best effort to crash. I saw cars <laughs> touching. Off of four, three laps in a row as our pit window got smaller and smaller. And I thought to myself, surely they're going to do it now. Surely they're going to give us this opportunity now. Nope. Nobody wanted to actually crash. I was pretty disappointed. I didn't want to see anybody hit hard. Like, I just needed like a half spin, right? (laughs) Something to throw the caution our way. Yeah, and that that certainly helped us a couple times. Obviously, it got everybody back on track. The, the, I think it was like maybe the Kirkwood yellow. kind of reset the whole field but uh, the that was actually really amusing because uh vk went and took the lead and about two laps he figured out that he wasn't anywhere close to being able to get the fuel number and then will passed us both and then yeah it was exactly we were all fighting for second place it was, it was rather amusing um that whole sequence if you like strategery this this race had all of it uh ben tell me about lanes and pj1 and what you found in terms of extra portions of the track that scott could use to his benefit during the race yeah the, the line did start to move up particularly in three and four and uh i gotta give credit actually to graham he was kind of the first one to get up there and figure out on even on used stuff like 40 plus lap tires he could get up up high in three and four and really work that lane um it was tougher in one and two i mean you could you could do it if the guy on the bottom basically if you if you shoved him down to the white line and he respected you and he stayed down there you could you could kind of run one or two by two but it was it was tough to do that but in three and four it, it moved up you know a third to halfway into the race and um unfortunately for us uh, we, we didn't get up to it uh, early enough to kind of know on the last lap there what to do, but uh, a bunch of other guys did, and uh, it was it was it was good to see. Certainly, as a guy that's been in Texas for twenty plus years, it's you know it's good to see that coming back a little bit. What else? What else? Uh, uh, what else? Uh, been in terms of the racetrack evolving. Sorry, sounds like we've got massive feedback here. But how well did the track evolve here? Yeah, I mean, for us, the the one thing that got a little bit more difficult was as at the end of the race, uh, Wheeler was 
could probably tell just by i mean it was blowing really hard the wind was 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 really excessive um and that actually changed our car a little bit where we were um that's why on the first stop we had to take a little bit of a wing out because we were we were very much so on the nose in turn one and two because of how much you know basically headwind we had going in there um and basically for us it made us really kind of pushy off of four um because you basically didn't have any any front wing until you completed the corner and so that 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 made it pretty difficult for us uh later in the race depending on you know where you were in traffic and what you were trying to do um the other topic that always comes up at, at, at texas is is vibrations um so the vibrations for us we had I don't know. Scott's front axle probably wasn't even on the racetrack for the first at the end of the first stint. It was vibrating so much, probably knocked a couple molars out or something. But um, front rubber uh, uh, on one of the tires or or cording or something. Yeah, essentially, what happens is it the tires wear out of round, if that makes any sense. Uh, So they they wear unevenly around the the round the tire, and it it creates such an an imbalance that uh, like it it really vibrates the entire car and it really depends. It can change the balance of the car depending on which corner it happens on. So if you get like a left front vibration, it's not too bad because it's a front axle and it's also a, a, on the safe side of what's happening with the cross weight, you know, so how much weight you've got on the left front or the right front of the car. But say if you get a vibration on the left rear, it, it, it decouples the car, it takes all the cross weight out and un, you know, destabilizes the car a lot. And the car goes real loose. So, uh, that seems to happen a lot, particularly on when the tracks just don't have enough rubber yet. Um, so, you know, if you're really hard and as we did, we wanted to go get the lead immediately because we kind of knew the tires were going to be a, a thing. We actually wanted to get the lead in the first part of the race, just to kind of manage the tires. Cause you've got clean air, you've got more downforce, you can control the pace of the of the stint and control the pace on what you're doing to the tires. So, um, but even still, because the track didn't have a ton, a massive amount of rubber yet, we still had some pretty big vibrations. So, we kind of managed through that first stint. I was actually super happy with what Scott was able to do there at the, at the end of that first stint because we pulled about a six second lead, or uh, maybe a five second lead before the first pit stop, even though we probably couldn't see straight. You know, I, you talked about the wind there and something about the tires that I thought was wild too is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that, that, you know, that enjoy watching the race, they wonder why, why are these people struggling on their tires at the end of a stint? Why don't they know what it's going to do? Well, you know, we had two hours of practice and the first hour of practice we spent trying to get an opportunity for a Q-SIM now that we have the downforce stuff, right? People are seeing how far can you trim, what, what panels can you run, um, things like that. But then on the flip side to it, the second hour, it's really not enough time, right? Everybody's working on the race car, trying to get some traffic. Nobody really did a full sim, a full tank run. What's it going to do? So that was interesting seeing the guys in, in, on the track that could prolong that stint, right? Because you would see a car fall off then quickly. You'd see a guy charging, 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 nothing. All of a sudden, parachutes on, guys are doing big checkups, big lifts. It gets pretty sketchy, and then they're diving the pit lane. Um, but you talked about the wind. And it was weird when that wind picked up that last stint. It seemed like the guys who kind of struggled earlier, who maybe they were a bit shy on COP, 
and weren't quite on the nose, as soon as that wind picked up, they were the only cars that could really dig hard off of two. Right? There was a group of cars that were solid most of the day that could get the, the good spin up off of two, strong runs into three and four, set up some, some passes. And then all of a sudden, guys started bailing out and they couldn't get back to power as quick in turn two. And it's just crazy how something that is uncontrollable, like wind, is the one thing that really separated a lot of cars there in the last 30 laps. Uh, yeah, for sure. And you could see it uh, even in both Joseph and and Scott's cars, uh, you know, I think Scott was one of the, one of the best cars off too all, all day. And, um, it, you know, the last 30 laps, it basically the tailwind, no better way to put it other than essentially just picking the back of the car off the ground, off the exit. And, and, uh, um, we were having, you know, some massive op- opposite lock snaps off too, that, you know, would really raise your hairs up when you're watching it on telemetry, but, um, just, just cause the wind was so big. Um, so that's, yeah, it's not necessarily always fun for racetracks or, or golf courses. So it, uh, Speak, it made, made some excitement. speaking of, did you not play golf today on your day off? No, no, no. I had, we I had did. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> we, hey, why, no, don't, uh, why don't we welcome our pal Andy Lally? a man who has navigated the Texas Motor Speedway in a cup car for sure, also navigated all the bumps at Sebring on Saturday. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I saw you guys on here, and I I really just wanted to come over and apologize for uh, not being able to get on during the Sebring event. I I tried to get on our Wi-Fi. I I ran over to the media center and uh, was unsuccessful there, so... uh, I was just checking in and enjoying some of the chat. I didn't obviously get a chance to catch the IndyCar race, but uh, it was uh, quite a busy weekend on our end, but uh, a lot of fun. And uh, uh, saw Jimmy did well, saw Joseph did well. That was obviously a pretty neat deal and uh, uh, cool to see those cars. Scary, honestly. I watch those guys every time on these mile and a halfs, and it's uh, it worries me as much as it excites me. Well, we've got you and we've got a fellow – sports car champ in Ben Bretzman here, uh, Scotty McLaughlin's race engineer, but someone who also did a lot of damage in particular in the American Le Mans series days in a P2 with Highcroft, a team that you, uh, you, uh, certainly know from back in your open wheel days, Andy. So, uh, look, it's, we're talking IndyCar mainly tonight, but you know, really we don't draw any battle lines. We love ourselves, uh, sports cars, IndyCar, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, why don't we, uh, why don't we invite, uh, Matt Philpot, who's been sitting patiently on mute to unmute himself and, uh, take the floor here in our little hashtag racing family show. Hey y'all. Um, good evening. Thanks for uh, letting me in here real quick. Um, so, Something that came to mind, I'm hearing a lot of talk about wind, and I feel like wind never really comes up when y'all are racing on road courses or on the short ovals. So that makes me curious because I hear about it here when we're talking Texas and also for Indy. So is wind really more of an issue when y'all are running the um, the super speedway setup with the, uh, the smaller wings and everything like that? I'd actually love to hear from both Andy and Ben, both from the, uh, the Cup super speedway and IndyCar super speedway perspective. I can go. I'll go first here, just as a. I guess it, you're you're right on the road course side of things. I mean, it it will affect it quite a bit. Um, the biggest things like 
uh, like I say, we've got a headwind into turn one at Indy Road Course. Um, they'll challenge the breaking zone massively deep here. Uh, and, you know, it's all about breaking depth at that point. Um, but it'll blow the cars around. Like, you'll, it'll, and you can, can t- speak to this like if you get a massive uh i guess south from the southwest wind at turn five at sebring it's it's it blows you off the apex really quick and it's really makes that corner really hard to get onto the the kind of stretch down to turn seven there um and it it, it moves cars around a lot but you know you, you can kind of deal with that with what you're doing with your feet and where you're where you're positioning and on a on an oval it's a much bigger deal because it's uh not only from a just a simple standpoint of tailwinds and headwinds with respect to to gearing, um, but you know we're we're operating in in really small margins of of ride height and aero balance. So how much downforce is on the car? How much is on the front and on the back? And um, really really small margins. And we make you know we're talking about a, a half a turn of of front wing. That's 0.2 degrees of wing angle. It's different, right? And we we do those in quarter turn increments. So we're and when you get to the speedway, you're talking really, really fine increment stuff. And if you just throw a 25 mile an hour wind in front of that, um, it changes things. And you got to also think of the, side, the, the standpoint of uh, when the car is yawed, like so when you not yaw wheeler, yawed, um, when the car drives through the corner, uh, you, you know, the car has got some some angle to it. Essentially, it's creating slip. And uh, Andy could speak to this too from his cup experience and, and how much how much side force and, and you know downforce comes from that. And then if you how the wind hits the car drastically changes the balance. And obviously it's it's exponential, right? You're talking going you know on a road course you're going 170, 150 to apex speeds of like 50, 60, 70. But you know I got an apex speed in Indy qualifying at 230. It's a whole different situation. <laughs> Andy, what's uh? I mean, I guess we're t- talking about cup on speedway on speedways and wind affecting, but I also, you know, whether it's in your Aston Martin here with a Magnus Racing team or even you know any of the sports car stuff you've driven. I mean, air chucking you around is certainly something that we don't speak about that often, but it does certainly affect your day. Yeah, so uh, there's a there's a couple different ways to come at asking answering those those questions there i have driven cup at texas um and the cup cars are really high horsepower disturb a lot of air uh and then you do texas tends to be a place where uh where the wind really does uh define your practice session qualifying session or race there on the directions and it's going away it pins it's it pins the nose uh i did race a truck at texas also which was much more sensitive uh, and like Ben was talking about the um, when 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 we take these trucks and cup cars, but especially the trucks to the wind tunnel, we put them in yaw in the tunnel, and it, because we're looking for side force, uh, more, even more so than downforce, because you've got a long straight side, much longer um, kind of real estate, literally square inches, square footage, however you want to call it, uh, on the side of the truck than you do on the car and you've got flat sides, um, flatter sides than, than on the cup car. So, uh, how you tune that, what you're allowed to do back in the day, you could really kick those things out, uh, and make essentially like a sail, which is the same reason you see uh winged sprint cars with massive sideboards, um, 
that's 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 a lot of side force on on both ends. It, it cleans up the air uh, on the cord of the wing, but it also produces a ton uh, of side force there at, at Sebring. Um, for the GT cars, it's nothing as crazy as the prototypes I raced at Sebring. But uh, if you've got a very rare uh, north to south wind uh, that pins the nose as you turn into 17 and it uh, pins the nose as you turn into one and whether it's a GT car or a prototype, it's very sensitive to that, especially because it's, it's, it's walled off. Uh, and then you've got like sort of this tunnel that comes obviously under the bridge, um, but a big amount of open area that you expose the nose of the car to. And uh, it, it can definitely be hairy. Uh, nowadays on road courses, we are not really dialing in the car either way around those headwinds. Um, the thing that we focus on with air the most is actually dirty air. You know, I, I there are certain manufacturers that uh, are are tougher to race behind uh, than than others, uh, like the, the Ferrari and the BMW, for example, put off, put off a uh, a very funky turbulence that that through the high speed corners. If you're trying to follow through seventeen or follow through one, uh, it's hard to to keep the nose there. You you hear F one guys talking about turbulence and how much they lose there. Um, it's so exponential to, to the nose only that like you'll, you'll turn in with somebody and just completely lose the front. Um, that happens around turn one and 17 at Sebring. It happens in the downhill, uh, at turn 12 at road Atlanta. It happens uh, in the S's at, at Watkins Glen. It happens in the laces at Watkins Glen, which is even worse. Uh, it, it happens at uh, a lot of the fastest corners that, that we have. It's, it's tough to run close you know <clears throat> i don't think anybody understands who the wind really affects though on these ovals i don't i don't really think you guys ever think about the spotters and the fact that some of us are scared of heights and those winds those winds that came up i tell you what i was kind of holding on there for for a couple of parts of the uh, second half of the race you had a full head of hair before the start of the race, and look what happened in your your avatar photo uh, from all that wind, Wheeler. That is you're you're, you're right, you're right. But um, I think we're uh, we're gonna have another question here, JJ. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Welcome. Well, thanks for calling my number. Uh, Chris had an extra challenge at this race, as Marshall noted in an article in Racer today. There was so much glare coming off the bare aluminum benches that were supposed to be full of race fans. It must have been harder to call the race for the various drivers. But going into the weekend, the question was, should IndyCar come back to Texas? And coming out of the weekend, the question is almost, does Texas want IndyCar back? Marshall, what's the situation with the contract? Is it year to year? Is there a commitment for this race for the next few years? Or who's it up to at this point? Not sure, JJ, on the length, uh, unfortunately. But I do know that I spoke with Roger Penske, and he told me they are indeed Penske Entertainment. They are going to engage with Texas to see how uh, both organizations can work together to solve a problem that they have created. 
we could blame Texas for bowing to NASCAR's demands and applying that PJ1 traction compound, which has certainly uh, um, certainly affected things uh, in terms of the quality of the racing, uh, the ability to use multiple lanes, not something we've been able to do for a couple of years since they started doing that. Um, for Again, I don't have any official uh, word on the length of the contract uh, I have heard it's been up for uh, for uh, something new to be negotiated. But again, I can't tell you for fact whether that is uh, going into 2023. There would need to be a new contract executed or if there is a, a quote option or extension that uh, can be triggered. Can I don't know those details, but I think we've all been fairly aware in the paddock that uh, they're not sitting on a long multi-year contract, which if they wanted to just ride out uh, and say, sorry, we're just going to uh, do everything that NASCAR wants to your detriment. Uh, that I know is not the case. So that's maybe the overarching thing. But the positive thing that uh, I can tell you for sure was speaking with Roger Penske after the race. Uh, and this was pretty much after I had my uh, little opinion column done. He and I were talking on the record, then off the record, and in the uh, the off the record part, or I shouldn't say off the record, the part where I'd stopped recording, he and I were just chatting, uh, you know, said to him, hey, this is amazing, this was great racing, et cetera, et cetera, but we absolutely cannot come back here again if it's going to look like this. And it's not like it just happened this year. You know, we did not give fans a great reason to want to come back for this year's race based off of last year's and the year before as well. Uh, but nonetheless, we cannot keep going to places where we look small and unimportant. It's going to have written and said ad nauseum. And he was in full agreement, said, you know, he didn't have answers as to what they would do. But RP did say they were going to reach out and, and talk to Texas and see what they can do. So there is a uh, informal commitment. There's a desire for sure to try and make things better. As I wrote today, you know, IndyCar, when it is motivated, and when I say IndyCar, I'm, I'm referring to Penske Entertainment, when they're motivated, they can bring a lot of resources and effort to bear. Uh, this is clearly a place that if they want to keep coming back, they will have to do that. It's not even an option. They have to do it because we can't go back, put on another great race, maybe uh Ben's driver leads one more lap than he did this year, and he wins the race, but does it again in front of 5,000 people or whatever nominal amount. So I'm glad to hear, after a couple years of many folks railing on IndyCar, not to be mean, but just out of passion, like, look, this has been a very powerful event for us in the past. What can we do to get it back? Uh, it seems that at the highest level, the man who owns the series, he gets it. He saw it. He understands. Got to step in, not intervene, but at least apply everything that they can to help Texas get back to a place where even if it's 15,000 people, I'd be stoked to see that next year. I'd think that would be a pretty healthy year-to-year -year improvement. What, uh, what numbers do you think? What if Penske and Texas came together, what do y'all think would be a really good number uh, in terms of fans? Should also say hello to, uh, holy cow, some guy named 
uh, William Power will hopefully be joining us here in a moment. But what's a good number? What's a number, Nathan, well, to you, for example? Uh, Nathan DeRover, unmute yourself. What's a number that you would say would be a good year-to-year turnaround uh, crowd improvement? Man, I'm not a numbers guy. I, I'll, I'll say this, and I said this on one of your articles as a comment. You know, I live up near Indianapolis, and I have family near Dallas. If I lived across the street from that racetrack, I wouldn't have bought a ticket yesterday based on what we saw the previous two seasons. After what I saw yesterday, I'm going next year. So, you know, I can only speak for myself. So, you know, does that mean, you know, there's 25,000 people like me that there's 35? I don't know. But the fans that watched it on television yesterday, if they if they like what they saw, they're going to go. I, You know, we do it for Gateway. We do it for Indy. You know, if, if the racing is good, we go. So that's all I can really say to it. Marshall, I think I think part of it, I think there's differences, right? So the vibe I got from everybody this weekend, and the only way I can describe this in my own head to make it easy to understand is, you know, when you rent an apartment and it's got a leaky ceiling or the paint's peeling off the walls and you go to your landlord, you go to your landlord, at some point you're going to go and just move. When they, when, they, when they get to a point where they're not going to fix the problems. Um, I felt that vibe this weekend. I felt that IndyCar was the tenant. Texas Motor Speed was the landlord. And IndyCar stepped up, and they decided to paint the walls themselves. And they decided to fix the ceiling themselves. And it, it, it's, you're right. It's powerful. When the series is motivated to do it, man, oh, man. I think it brings a lot of, a lot of capabilities, that, a lot of assets to it. And I'm happy for the, for the sport. I'm happy for the people that supported it, that – this is that it was a success in terms of how good the racing was. Do we come back? I don't know. I love Texas. Um, and I'm not even a Bucky's guy, so you can't hold it to me and say I only want to go there for Bucky's. I've but never, I enjoyed it. I've never been to Bucky's. Everyone raves about it. But hey, let's say a big thanks once more to Andy Lally for popping in. I know Andy has to go uh, probably beat somebody up, do uh, some. Uh, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something cool like that. But Andy, thanks as always, brother, and we'll look forward to having you back here uh, sometime soon. My pleasure, buddy. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you guys later. Where uh, where should we go next? Uh, Asher's dad. I think, uh, let's tee you back up here. Hopefully we got a good cell signal, at least two bars. It's actually me today. So Yeah, we got Asher. <laughs> there we go, there we go. <laughs> So let's so let's talk about the PJ one here. So um, you think we could do like the Atlanta makeover for the Texas PJ one? Wheeler, that's all you. Well, to be honest, Asher, welcome to the show. I <clears throat> I didn't Thanks. watch much of the much of the NASCAR stuff this weekend. Um, I didn't. I I saw some of the like a fourteen minute reel, of the Cup race, and all I saw was some Twitter comments and. A lot of people didn't seem too excited about it. Uh, a lot of guys didn't like the racing. And honestly, for the first time that I can ever remember, the drivers in the Cup Series said, we're not drivers. We're not racing here. We are simply entertainment. Um, yep. And so they didn't seem to like it. They didn't seem to want to be a part of it. Um, you know, I don't think that we need to reinvent the wheel. You know, I, heck, I thought Texas the first time that it was built was was the best, and they've made changes since then. So, I think maybe, yeah, maybe could it use some new new asphalt? That'd be cool. Um, and if you're going to put PJ one on a racetrack again, just put it up up the fence. 
Like, it doesn't need to be all the way down to the second groove. If you want to give them a cushion to run on, give them a cushion. Just allow it. I mean, look, when you own a venue, you need to allow your venue to do as many events as you can. And when you restrict uh, who can actually participate like they've done, maybe it's time to, to relook at how you do it, how you do that planning, I guess. I don't know if that was the answer you're looking for, but I kind of got on a little heater there and lost that. It's fine. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, buddy. Well, thanks, Asher. Uh, hey, Will Power, unmute yourself, my, my friend. You uh, you were the instigator in all of this Texas second lane stuff. They they said yes. We did the session. It made it better. The racing was better. You took advantage of the high line like a lot of the guys did. And one of our viewers earlier said, what else is Will Power going to be right about? And I, I didn't get the chance to say it, folks, but Will's not usually very wrong. But when he is... He misses by a mile. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that one was for Liz in the background. <laughs> That's Liz laughing. <laughs> yeah, Man, I mean. Your, how was your Texas, buddy? You look strong. It was good, yeah. Yeah, we're just a little bit loose in the second half of the race, so it kind of struggled, especially when I, when I led, I was really loose. Um, so I had, didn't, had no air getting taken off my nose by following, so uh, yeah, didn't have the car to win, but we got the most out of it. Pretty happy with fourth. And uh, was actually stoked to see two lanes, or let's say one and a half, almost two lanes. Um, if that, if they just, like you were saying before, had moved that PJ1 up to the next seam, it would have been amazing. But I just wonder if there's a way for them to get that PJ1 off. Like if there's... Because they talked about a high-pressure spray, and I don't know whether the track wasn't keen for that because it might do a little bit of damage to the surface. But the sooner I mean, they get the stuff off, the better the racing will be. Part part of the thing, Will, though, you know, you look at some of the circuits we go to, um, even some of the ovals we've gone to in the past, you know, tracks have gone in and only repaved portions, right? They've only repaved certain areas. Maybe this is a thing where Texas doesn't need to completely repave. They just need to repave the bottom two lanes, <clears throat> well, they could just grind you know, it too. They could grind yeah. it. It's the same. It's like a repave. They did that uh, in Alabama. The barber. And then they can they can spray their PJ one all they want in the next groove up. But Ben Bretzman's in here. Um, They're talking about the day that they had. I mean, overall, I think all the Pinsky cars look good. Of course, as a team, um, and knowing from my experience there with you in the past, team is the is the attitude and the philosophy. Big team win six hundred now. For RP and the and the program, yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal. Big deal. Like uh, we've come out swinging this year. We certainly had a, a trying year last year, and we we did our homework and have worked really hard. And I think Chevy has definitely stepped up. Definitely uh, seeing some uh, good improvement there as well. So uh, on all fronts, we're looking pretty good. I got yelled at. Uh, well, I got yelled at on uh, Friday, was it, for writing a, what I thought was a really nice uh, story about uh, right. Ray Gosselin. Oh, yeah, he, he would have been pissed. Well, it, it wasn't him, actually. It was uh, some of his bosses who were mad. And I'm like, look, my job is to tell stories about people in the paddock who are doing remarkable things. I'll, I'll keep doing that. So just be prepared to be mad at me a lot more. But anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about that special session. 
a half hour of running. Um, I don't know if you got to see all the lines that folks were, were taking. I was joking yeah. a little bit earlier about, I don't know if Elio fully got the the gist of what it was about. Cause... Well, Elio, man, I, I was watching him run that third lane in turn one, two, I mean, three, four. Um, and he was the guy in Fontana when we'd all just run the traditional line, went all the way up against the wall with dust coming off and <laughs> in practice and worked it out. And that's all anyone ever ran after that. So, you know, and Elio, he got taken out, but it wasn't because of the lane he was running. He was running that third lane because he ran up there in that practice. And he obviously got taken out by a, by two cars coming together. But, uh, yeah, he searches. He's not scared. I wouldn't have gone up there, but he did. But, yeah, that session, I think it was worthwhile. Um, and I think everyone who watched it saw that, yep, you can run the second lane and – and sure enough, we had a race where cars were willing to run a second lane. So, you know, it kind of accomplished what we uh, set out to do. It's just that the second lane is still just a little bit too narrow. Do you do you campaign from here, brother? Because I know you were trying to recruit as many as you could. Uh, Wheeler was talking about how disappointed he was at how few uh, – yeah came out i mean there were like complete teams like andretti and ganassi that said nope do you just start campaigning and saying look y'all had the benefit of some of the work that we did you can see it improved the racing provided we come back next year like yep we need to make this 15 20 plus cars like do you start you know yapping at people saying come on get serious next year or how well you- uh, it's uh, you know i I was all I, I I just told Jay Fry a few times that look that you know we we got to have a session where you you run a second lane that segues into pr- final practice um, because you know then everyone understands what it feels like in the second lane they they know that it either works or it doesn't and I'm you know I'm, I was pushing for that for Gateway as well so we just got to have a session where you run the second lane you know what it feels like. You know you can go there, um, but you need more people to buy into it. It's kind of, yeah, it was disappointing. I was really surprised. Some of the veterans, uh, you know, from Ganassi and Andretti didn't run. And to me, you know, we're trying to make the show better um, and make the racing more fun. Like, there's nothing more frustrating than sitting behind, sitting in a train of cars when you, you have a faster car and you just can't go anywhere. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, it seems so obvious to me if you want good racing, like, uh, you know, I don't know if all what the other drivers think, but you tell the guys that did it and want to take advantage of it and at least understand it. But yeah, I think they should do that for gateway. I think that would be, uh, just a, a very beneficial as well. Well, we just sent a uh, invite to speak to get the thoughts of another driver if he wants to join. Uh, some guy who maybe won the race by the name of Joseph Newgarden is here a little bit. Uh, we did, Will, and I forget where, whether it was on my podcast or the mailbag or somewhere, but someone did come up with a name for the session. So I think wherever we go, Texas, Gateway, you name it, uh, what was it? The, uh, the Will Power Max Traction Action Session. I think okay. what it's and then I, I had the uh, <laughs> hypothesis that your like uh, fake name that you check in 
at hotels under is actually max traction. And then we came up with a whole idea of how, like, if you were ever going to be like bad Steven Seagal movies, that would be your character's name. Will Powell. Yeah, max traction. So, well, uh, yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, I was kind of like when they called it the Will Power session, I was like, oh, you know, team owners don't like it because it's putting their cars at risk. And I don't think our team owner, Pensky, I'm not sure Roger was that keen on it, although he was keen to make the race better. But when it was one of his cars that could potentially go on the wall, and I reckon that's why Ganassi and Andretti didn't do it because you're taking a risk, you're risking your car, you're risking your car before the final practice, which then you have to fix it overnight. So I, I get it. Um, but you just had, you know, if you're a veteran, you know, you, you got to just creep up on it and feel it out. But yeah, it's, uh, uh, yep. It, there's, I take the PJ one away and you're not having to do that at Texas. I would say that for sure. We were also sad to learn that, Firestone refuses to make tires out of PJ1. That was the other suggestion fans had. Well, just make the tires out of PJ1. Problem solved. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, there you go. Why didn't yeah. we think that sooner? Wheeler, uh, where do we go next, brother? Well, um, it's, a, it's a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> I... So you caught me to meet dinner. Bring New Garden in. Or, I want to hear what he has to say about the whole I do too. Thing. He's not accepting. No, he's just coming, Joseph. Stop being a wanker. Just bloody you won the race <laughs> for crying out loud. You're feeling yeah. good. He is such an introvert. Oh, you baited him in. Oh, you got him. You got oh him. no. Got, no. Joseph, welcome to the show. And I, I gotta say, I was relatively proud of you. Um, Relative. being a young, a young man that comes from the world of ping pong, how well you fired those revolvers off in, in victory lane. Guys, you got me, you got me eavesdropping in here. Okay. I just, I had to jump in and see what was going on. I'm literally sitting in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yep. In, PPG, baby. I was here for PPG. I'm, I'm literally laying in bed. I'm so tired and I was on my phone and I'm like, I don't know what these guys are doing. I'm just going to jump in here and now I've gotten called out. But yeah, yeah. I totally well, agree you, with everything you, got, you said. You should be, you should be thanking me that we did that session. Cause you won the race. Cause you took the outside line. William, <laughs> I knew you were going to sort it out for us. That's, that's why I let you do your thing. <laughs> I was disappointed you guys didn't take. I was really like, what? I can't believe well, I'm the I, one that has to do this. I would say this. I, you know, I was all for Will's idea, although I don't think I was most keen to do it myself. But I, I think <laughs> what would have made it better is if it was mandatory for everybody. Um, you know, when it was going to happen, I was like, well, you should just make everyone do it. Because um, I think, you know, you multiply the number of cars by two or three X. And it just would have made it that much better. I, I think it did make a, a, a big difference. And Will has been talking about it. And he's been suggesting this for a while. And I, I think it did make a difference this week. And I really do. And it was a good lead into the to the second practice. Because the people that were running up there in that test session, they were more likely to try it out in the second practice as well. And, you know, once some people see it, then others, you know, start looking at it themselves. And, and that sort of happened in the race, too. Joseph, uh, tell me a little bit about 
post-race, quote, recovery. So knowing that you and our pal Brian Simpson had to jam out of there uh, quickly after the race, you did a ton of media, you're so grace uh, graceful in, in giving everybody time. I think you got a little custard cup or two, or a little bit of ice cream for uh, uh, for victory. But I know you had to jam out of there, get to Scranton, Pennsylvania, to uh, to give some love to uh, PPG. Best livery in the series, by the way. Most beautiful car there is. But I mean, that was a race that I know wore you and a lot of other drivers out. You got to jump and do media activities and such. Are you laying in bed? Uh, just muscle sore. I hope you're clothed, by the way. You don't have to answer that. But uh, what what's the the physical state uh, after really not having a chance to just chill, uh, but to actually have to go to work right after winning? Well, it's you know it's a good problem to have, right? You know it's hard to complain. Um, I, I love driving the PPG car. I, I I just was so happy to get to drive it again. I was I was telling Scott when he came in last year. I could I couldn't believe. You know, he snuck that one out from underneath me. Um, but, you know, the, to be back in that car, I mean, we have great cars across the board. You know, Wills looks good and the, the X-Bell car. They, they, they all look great and they're great partners, but there's something special about that PPG car. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, where's you at? I wish we could have just hung out with the team, to be honest, after the race. That's probably the toughest part is, you know, you have all the obligations to – talk to everybody and do all the photos and, and all that stuff's great. But really all you really want to do is, is hang out with the team afterwards. And, you know, fortunately I got to see my teammates for a good little bit, you know, Will and, and, uh, and Scott, myself, we got to at least chat in victory lane, mostly because it was the 600 win uh, with team Penske. So that was special between Tim Roger and us to kind of, you know, talk about it a bit. Um, but I didn't have the opportunity to hang out with anybody afterwards, you know, and I, I would have loved to have gone to in and out and <laughs> spend some of that 600 bucks. And I never got the chance <laughs> to do that. So in and out burger, man, that was what happened. I was sitting there all by myself eating double, double <laughs> and a single and fries with a chocolate milkshake with no teammates. I was, yeah, I don't know. I know what it made me sad. I wish we could have done something. That's, that's my you know, that's the, my biggest gripe with that type of stuff is you don't get to see everyone right afterwards because everyone just leaves, you know, no one hang, hangs out anymore. Everyone's just gone. There should be, there should be a big hospitality sort of bar set up for after races and everyone has a stay and it's so, just a massive party after every race, massive party. So, Will, Will, I got to ask a, a very, very important question here after we're talking about recovery. Did you try and fast today by chance? Fast? No, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> I good. Badly because I ate plain food. I'm glad. I'm glad you learned your lesson. Sir. American Airlines. Oh yeah, where was that? We were at Disney World. I thought, oh, yeah. I'm not going to eat so bad. Will decided food. he was going to try and fast after St. Pete at Disney World, and that 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 worked out about as great as three wide into turn three on <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. Well, the three wide into turn three had a lot to do with the uh, lane one guy. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> no, you're not allowed to enter turn three under the apron. Um, no. so Joseph, I, I, go ahead, go ahead, Chris, so, brother. Joseph, I, I honestly, I, I missed it at first. Obviously, I was watching my own car, um, but I, I stand next to the Pinsky guys because we all stand way far away from everybody else on the spotter stand. Um, so a couple things there. One – you know, first off, the, the last lap was mega, and I I happened to just look down at the line, and I said, "How in the world did that car get in front of the other one?" And so that was that was neat. But 
Um, you had a different spotter this time than what you've had recently on ovals. You had, you had Mike Ford, who spent, I don't know, 13 years with Simon, and he stayed with the program, and uh, he was on your car yesterday. What is it like for you going into an oval weekend, especially a high-stakes oval like Texas, with a spotter that you've not had before? Well, apologize if I'm cutting out. I don't know how good my internet is here. You're good. It's Wheeler who's yeah, good. Yeah, so Wheeler. Okay. Really good. Plus, All right, that was dinner, too. That was what was making me nervous because I, I was hearing him out. But, um, well, I can tell you I was so excited to work with, with, with Forty just because I've heard him on the radio a lot. You know, I, I, I listened to him um, at other sessions. I actually had him a couple times just on, like, odd tests here or there, or like, you know, various moments where you needed someone to fill in. Um, and he's just so good on the radio. I thought he was really good with Simon and just one of the best spotters you could have. So I was really pumped to get him on the on the radio with us. And, uh, you know, he was pretty excited. He's a, he's a hardcore competitor. So when I, when I talked to him this offseason, I felt pretty confident we were going to have a good working relationship because that's you know that's kind of my my uh my approach is i'm just full-on competition you know how are we gonna how are we just gonna figure out how to win i'm you know maybe i sometimes get a little bit reserved and you know i don't hang out with everybody enough but i just i get really focused in and just you know i'm just there to win and i i felt like mike was really on board with that so yeah it was first race together but he's a pro i mean he's been doing this his, his whole life so you know he did a great job for me and it was really cool to you know, start our campaign together at, uh, at Texas like we did. Yeah, he was he was definitely pumped up about it. Marshall, what do you got for us, buddy? Just going to mention to Joseph, I think I've told this to you before, but I'll just share it here as an appreciation while I'm sitting out in our car at one of my wife's appointments. She is a big fan of yours, and it's not so much because of the racing stuff and championships and whatnot. It's her appreciation of the fact that you're an introvert and you are not like me or Power or Wheeler who just bah! all times scream and yell and act in a fool and that coming natural to us. She's an introvert. And I that might be a weird little segue here, but spending my life with her, understanding her interaction style, seeing the things that she pulls away from that I don't understand, like, oh, why aren't you just lighting up and, and all laughs and giggles in this scenario, like, living with her and, and learning who she is as an introvert married to an extrovert, it's actually helped me to understand you a lot more, and also appreciate you, Joseph, knowing that natural tendencies might not to be to grab the mic and to speak in front of thousands of people and such, and yet, you have become so darn good at it. Nothing to do with talking about your win at Texas. We'll get to more of that in a moment. But do you share a little bit of that, man? Because this is something I know you've had to work at. Some of us, it just comes naturally, I guess, acting a fool in public. Well, yeah, it's tough for me. I mean, I, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't believe me because I do act like a hooligan half the time. And I, I can be loud and boisterous. Um, you know, I think anyone would attest to that in our team truck. Um, but those those are environments that I'm comfortable in. Like I, I like going into the team trucks and seeing my teammates or seeing the engineers. Like I, I, you know, I'm comfortable in those environments. So even being introverted, it's easy to, you know, it's just easy to go into those, those places. But I mean, the whole, 
you know, the whole program where it's like, there's a lot of people there. You've got to, you know, you got to like put on this, you know, this game face and you got to represent everybody. And, you know, you just have to be a charismatic person. It's just not, it doesn't come natural to me. I've had to work at displaying that, I guess. It's not that I'm being fake, but I just have to ramp myself up in those moments. Um, but I got, you get a lot of practice, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So, uh, that's probably the lucky part is you just get a lot of practice, but I can empathize with your wife, Marshall, cause it is, it is hard. You know, if it doesn't come naturally to you, it, it is very draining. You know, when I'm done at the racetrack, I, I have to like, I need my time alone. And my wife knows that about me. I, I like need a lot of time by myself, which is hard for her. Cause she's an extrovert. I know when my wife's had enough of me, Joseph, because she just walks into the bedroom and closes the door. <laughs> That's the <laughs> leave me alone. You have worn me out, you idiot sign. I, that happens a couple times a week. So uh, well, bless wives. Well, if it, if it makes any more clear, I understand when Will and his the people in Will's household have had enough of him. Because they go and they close their doors and then he calls me and talks to me about aliens at 1030 at night. <laughs> about aliens. I have, have, I, have I ever spoken to you about aliens? I don't think no, I've UFOs. But I, but I've I spoken UFOs to and aliens. I've spoken to Pruitt about UFOs. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I spoken one, to... one night it was like midnight, and he, I was literally googling things he was saying because I was just trying to like learn about it because it was midnight. And what else are you gonna do? Um. But you uh, know what? My my favorite time is when Will randomly calls me. It doesn't happen often, but every now and then I'll just get a call and I'll be like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? And I'll answer the phone. And he's like, hey, New God. What, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What have you been doing? <laughs> is, it, is it just me, Joseph, or when he makes those late night random calls? First off, you think this could literally go anywhere. And then when he starts off with that slow, like, hey, what's up thing, you're kind of like, man, is he recording this? Is there. Is there is did he call somebody else? Are we a three way call right now? He is. Like, he's masquerading as a human. We've figured this part out. We should also welcome. We've got the entire team Penske group here. Scotty no. Mack, welcome back, no brother. Way. Oh, <laughs> McLaughlin. Hey, McLaughlin's on. Scotty High Noon's right there. You gotta be kidding me. Scotty back if you don't if, if you don't uh, accept this one can you hear me I'm going to tell everybody about how bad of a golfer you are can you hear me <laughs> yeah we can hear you Scotty we're eviscerating you while waiting for you to speak so, I can hear those yeah. two idiots Wheeler just wanted to know wanted you to acknowledge how bad of a golfer you were oh, I haven't seen him play yet but I'm I'm so, pretty handy I I, I got to say um this turned out pretty well Marshall because We've got three absolute legends in here. Four with Ben Bretzman, of course. Oh, I was going to say, we'll start with Bretzman. These other clowns, meh, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, got, we got some good uh, family members here for sure. So so uh, I do want to ask, because now that we've got these three in here, how how much did you guys notice in the car? Because Ben and I spoke about it, what he saw on the screens, what I saw from the spotter stand. That wind change, about 30 to go, how difficult the car was to get the good exit off of turn two. Yeah, I, I was loose. I I don't know about Joseph, but I um, I, well, I mean, I saw him a couple times in my mirror off four. It was pretty bad, but the gusts were, the gusts were crazy, man. Um, even at the start of the race was it was a hell, a hell of a lot different to how it was, um, you know, earlier. But um, 
in the weekend. But yeah, I was I was loose as a goose, so I was sort of just trying trying to hang on to it and run out of tools in some ways, and um and and then that was sort of when I I really got stuck in traffic because I sort of was trying to calm my thing down from getting loose, and then but I needed the turn, so I was sort of I was stuck in in, in um, both ways, so. It made it quite hard with traffic as it was for Joseph behind me. Um, but, you know, it was, yeah, it was definitely changed a lot throughout the race for sure. The boy was hustling, though. I can tell you that because he, he was loose a lot in the middle off of two. Yeah, two was getting dicey hard. Did you see a couple of the, the ones I had? I was like, ooh. Yeah, and actually, it. there's a. There's a couple times like you were getting you were getting so neutral that you'd leave me like a little bit of room on the bottom. Yeah, and it was helping me get a run on you a little bit. Better. I know. I was trying to take it away. <laughs> I, I like, know oh, you kept oh, trying to work man. down. I know. I know. But it was um, yeah, and that, that, that was sort of just. I think the wind was a factor in all that as well. Um, but I think the track was changing and trying to stay on top of that. It was. It was. I, I, I tweeted today. Like I genuinely like that last you know stint that second last stint after the last caution like that was like so fun like i, like, I was actually like when will went past and then vk was blowing past and everyone was like getting to the front and realizing how bloody hard it was to save fuel so um they were like you know oh crap once they got to the front and then backing it up so everyone would go back past and give it have a go themselves it was it was fun it was, it, it was well, yeah. like that was man that was a really fun Texas race. Yeah. Like as soon as you have a second lane, it's just so much better. It, you know, if, if they just increase that second lane a bit, it'll be a mega race. But yeah, I, I have to say that was a lot of fun. But yeah. yes, you burn a lot of fuel out front. Yeah. I, was get, I was like getting the number behind you guys. I'm like, oh, I'm easy getting the number. So then I go around and then I'm like first lap, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yep, that's the same. Uh, yeah. I knew I straight away because we went back to like two oh nines. I'm like, oh, Bowers, no, Bowers figured it out. Bowers figured <laughs> yeah. it out. I, I was shocked at how aggressive everyone went at the end there because, like, you you could definitely hit the number. I mean, it was not an easy number, but um, you know, I went, I passed you, Scott, because I was like, oh, it's probably this is probably the best thing to do to like protect and at least stay in the top top couple spots. Then you went back by, and I was like, okay, this is good because I'll save. But then I got like trained, and I went. I went back to sixth or seventh. Man, everyone looked like they were just balls out, and I just couldn't. I couldn't understand it. And then everyone was like figuring out within ten or fifteen laps, like, oh, okay, we have to save a lot more. Yeah, I, at that point when I went past you, I was like, I didn't actually think I needed to save, or I could have done like what Will said. I, I felt like I could have saved out front, so I wanted to like get in front of you and then like look after my tires as well because I felt better out front. And then again, yeah, the same thing happened to me. I got out front. And I'm like, well, this sucks, and yeah, <laughs> I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't save the fuel. So, yeah. Hey Ben Bretzman, tell me how proud you are about Hey, what's up, Bo? Uh, you know, yeah, I, I got to put it to bed. So. bed so. <laughs> By the way, I, to, I got to interject here. There's uh. You guys have no idea the endless willpower stories there are. Like, there's got to be a book about this. I don't know what we're going to do, how we're, we're going to publish. Might be illegal in some states, but. Ben has a quote book. Yeah. Most of the best are from Will. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, Scotty, you know, Oval Extraordinary, you know, third super speedway ever. You know, not bad. Not bad. <laughs>
Joseph, very nice of you, by the way. I mean, you've, you'd won 20 races at that stage. You couldn't let your teammate, you know, get his first oval win. You got Indy coming up, right? You could go win that, but had to no. We said we swapped. I'm, I'm going to have a crack at that one. He, he, he might, yeah. Oh, but so he went know. early. He went yeah, early. No, sir, at the end of the year, we said we'll pick one or the other. You know, no. <laughs> Look, Scotty's Scotty's a natural. All right, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't take a it doesn't take a rocket scientist to to figure that one out. So he doesn't. He doesn't need anybody's help anymore. <laughs> he didn't need much. <laughs> he didn't need much in the beginning, and he and he definitely doesn't need it now. He's gonna be I'll, just fine. <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought that maybe heading down the backstretch on the last lap, Scotty kind of remembered how bad he felt all the way through Wednesday after celebrating his win at St. Pete, and he was like, "Look, I'm just here for the points, not the hangover." All the way through Wednesday, dude. That I didn't. I kept going until like Saturday. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we've uh, we've mentioned uh, it wasn't uh, didn't have to be a rocket scientist. Why don't we ask our pal Zach Dean, a legitimate rocket scientist, to unmute himself and join the uh, hashtag Racing Family Show here again? Zach, uh, what you got for uh, uh, two of our awesome members of Team Penske and the driver rotation, and also awesome engineer and Ben Bretzman? Yeah, uh, thanks. I was uh, I was actually going to ask Will uh, Ozzy Hip Hop yes or no, uh, but um, no. I yeah, as a rocket scientist, man, you guys were uh, were real uh, kick butt uh, the other day. Tell us, appreciate you. Tell us, Zach. Uh, since we were going to ask Scott, uh, we we're going to ask Will about his hip hop preference. Scotty, what about you? Uh, any particular down home? New Zealand hip hop, we should be uh, plugging into the. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, have you ever heard of Scribe? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Kiwi, Kiwi hip hop guy. And, or, or uh, Hilltop Hoods. Hilltop Hoods. Yeah, the Hilltop Hoods. That's one of yeah. That's power turned me on to them like 15 years yeah, yeah, ago. They're, they're, they're like iconic, those people. Um, yeah, no, nah, and then I'm not really much of an extra, music extraordinaire. I just, I'm a big top 40 countdown type guy. Wow. Newgarden, what about you? Have you taken on any favorite musical artists uh, as passed on by your teammates over the years, knowing that could be Elio? I'll say Pagano. I just assume his musical taste is terrible. But are there any bands that you've come to like that your teammates have turned you on to? Uh, I mean, if it's if it's Pagano, it's just going to be like Bob Marley. <laughs> That's like going to be number one answer for him. Uh, Will's going to be just on like I don't know, Alice in Chains or like Metallica or something like that. Stuff to get the rage out, basically. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. I'm on a massive Kanye kick right now. I, I don't know what it is. I'm just like listening to all his music from the beginning right now. And he's you don't he's you don't just, like Pete Davidson or you you, <laughs> you know what? I, I wish them both the best <laughs> and I don't care. I just think Kanye is so he's so good. Like I don't even I didn't even realize how good he was until I've gone back and like re listened to all his early albums and he's like just an incredible producer. Yeah. Did you 
did you spend the $200 on the little Donda 2 whatever musical player uh, he's trying to sell to get that album? No, I didn't get that, but I did watch this new documentary on Netflix on him called Yeah, Jesus, I watched that too. And that was crazy. It was, I thought it was so good. The first episode was super good. Uh, second episode was like good for half of it. And then it like wasn't very good in the, the end. But the first episode when it's basically like just portraying his life and how he came up in Chicago and started producing and then moving to New York and working with Jay-Z and like just showing him as like a true artist in the beginning was very fascinating. I thought it was super cool. So sorry to interrupt the musical tears of sorts. No, we should have one Indie Lights champion welcome another Indie Lights champion in. Let's say hello to our pal the Kyle Kirkwood, who apologized that he couldn't join us because he was having dinner with his grandma, but I guess dinner ended early? Or did grandma give you the blessing to join us here, champ? No, no, thanks for having me. Uh, I Yeah, we left dinner. We, we actually went somewhere because we were just sitting here dodging tornadoes here in Texas. I didn't get out on a flight earlier this morning. Everything got canceled, and um, I'm stuck out here. But I've got family out here and got to hang out with my grandmother, so all is good. So I've got a question, mainly for Joseph, and Scott is only a listener now. Um, but I don't know how far Kyle got on that restart, that first stop. Um, he came in, he kind of led the group um, from the second half of the field that took tires and fuel. He had a mega restart. And I looked up and thought, where in the world did the 14 car come from? Um, Joseph, I don't know if he got to you or not on that, but. I was I was highly impressed, Mr. Kirkwood. I I think Kyle definitely got to me. I'm pretty sure he went he went around the outside somewhere with me. Um I was I was really surprised at the aggression in the beginning of the race. Um and at and at parts of, you know, the middle of the race. But, you know, without a doubt, I mean, I think it would be it would be a mistake to not recognize Kyle's great drive I thought he did a really good job you know not not even I don't even want to just say Texas but I actually thought in St. Pete he was very measured like he was around me for a lot of the race because he was on our strategy which was a terrible decision um uh, I felt bad for all of us that got on that strategy (laughs) but um Kyle did I thought he did a really good job I got to see him you know, and, and sort of some of his thought process and the way he was managing the race. And I just thought, I thought he was really measured for his very, very first IndyCar race, which is, is hard to do. Um, but Indy Lights right now, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think the training ground these days is is so good. I don't know if it's the, you know, if it's a tire thing and they're just getting used to cars at a really high slip angle and it's requiring that. And then it's, you know, making it better when you get to the actual Indy car, but it just seems like the training ground right now in Indy lights is, is like, is absolutely working really, really well. well. Kyle, you can talk about this on that restart. You passed seven cars, according to Arnie, who just slid my DMS four of them before you got through turns one and two. Yeah, probably. I, I was kind of already spooled up a little bit. I was catching up to the pack and I was, might have been in a little a little bit better RPM range than, than everyone else uh, when we came to that green flag. Um, but everyone was kind of bottled up on the bottom. And I just stuck to the high line, and someone popped out kind of up high. And so I just had a massive toe going into one and two. I think it was I think it was Pagano, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, that, that popped up wide. 
And I just ran the high line all the way around for the first few laps and was able to pick off a ton of cars because everyone was just stuck in dirty air. And fortunately, it worked out. Um, and then it didn't work out the second time I did it. So uh, it was definitely aggressive, at, but it worked. Big question, that real important question for my and Kyle. Um, we're on that whoop uh, group, as you know. Um, and I just want to find out, uh, did you hit the piss last night? Because um, your your recovery was terrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was the worst, worst recovery that, that I've ever had. Um, that That's by far. I've never had a 1% recovery. I, it didn't pick up a lot of my sleep. That's that's what actually happened. It said it went to sleep it. at like 5 a.m. Scott, I'm happy you said it because I'm also in a group on Whoop with Kyle, and I thought the same thing today, and I thought, how is my fat person heart rate lower than his? Because his was like yeah. 80 at a resting heart rate last night. No, somebody so, just needed to check up on him because there was a few dramas there. And uh, yeah. it was, yeah, just glad he's all right. <laughs> all, he woke up naked in the bathtub. We, we can we can reveal this. He woke up naked in the bathtub, just wasn't in his hotel. Uh, he's not jo- exactly Joseph, sure where he ended up. Joseph is a massive Whoop fan. Massive Whoop fan. He's all about it. He's oh, awesome. yeah. Joseph, yeah. do you have one too? Oh, yeah. No, I'm Man, why are you in I'm, group? I'm just whooping all day, every day, but, you know, keeping it low key. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the text just stellar. You know, it's so good and accurate. He doesn't. I love it. He doesn't. He doesn't believe in it, Carl. <laughs> he doesn't believe in the group stuff. No, he doesn't believe in whoop. <sighs> you know, oh, you, fun, you don't like it. Fun story. You know, I tried oh, this story. Whoop. I tried this whoop story. Uh, I tried this whoop train about three years ago before it got cool, and you know, I just I did not think the accuracy of it was was very good. And you know, maybe it's better nowadays. I know there's like version three, version four, whatever they're up to now. Um, but it just wasn't accurate enough for me. It was highly inaccurate is what I found. So I don't know, maybe they've improved and maybe I need to give it another shot. Well, I'm a big fan of it. And, uh, the weird part though, is, is watching how sometimes it says after you guys drive, it says that you were dancing. Um, but while we have it here, um, I'm going to look through my list and I don't see, there he is, Joey, unmute yourself, man. You are next to ask away. What's up? Hey, Kyle, I got to say, man, um, I am sorry that I jinxed you, I think on Sunday because I tweeted out probably 20 minutes, I'd say before. Yeah, probably 20 minutes. I said, man, Kyle Kirkwood is a star. Get used to hearing him. And then about 20 minutes later, the unfortunate incident happened, and I was like, damn, my bad, bro. I think I, I, think I <laughs> no, you're all good. I, there was a lot. <laughs> MDC was talking us up real, really well, too. I mean, it was cool having the amount of TV time that we did. Um, I think, t- to be honest, like, we were just on such a good strategy like that, and we had more fuel, better tires, and everything was kind of playing in our favor. I think once we got – to that second half of the race when everyone was going super long that we, we probably wouldn't have been able to, to stick with that pace that we had. Um, but I mean, it, it made us look like heroes for sure for, for the first half of the race and we're ma- making some cool moves, but uh, no, I, I wouldn't blame it on you for jinxing us. I think every, everyone was, uh, had our, had their eyes on us. Joe, I've already put things in motion to get Twitter to ban you. So we're, we're you oh, know, perfect. never going to happen again. Good. Now. Good. That'll save me a lot of uh, stress and anxiety, anyways. <laughs> I just bump off of there. No problem. Hey, Bros of Newgarden, what's up, man? Oh, yo, Joey, what up, man? 
Hey, dude. Good to talk to you. So, uh, how you doing? I don't, know if you saw the, I, don't, I don't know if you saw the news. Uh, I'm, I'm like you. I'm gonna be a father. I got a baby on the way. Oh, Joey. Oh my gosh, I that did see good. that. I was gonna tweet you, and then I didn't because I. That's normally what I do when I plan on tweeting. I just that's don't. That's all do good. It. That's no worries, man. Hey, hey he doesn't um, actually well, tweet, first of all, Joey. congrats, it's, congrats to you as well. Um, media thing. Thanks, but uh, do uh, is it? Have you announced is it a boy or girl yet? Do, do, or do you not know? Or is it what's the deal? I don't think I've announced it. I appreciate you, you putting it? me on. I appreciate you putting me on the spot. No, like no, that, no, but... no, no. Don't don't announce it. But what I'm thinking is this is what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning um, a lifetime ahead. Uh, you know, maybe like the 2046, 2047, Indy 500, baby Newgarden, baby Molinero, duking it out. Um, with their two Joe dads just, uh, you know, down there in the, in, in the pits or, uh, you know, on the front stretch there. I think that could be pretty cool. What, what's the baby, baby McLaughlin will be coming around the outside. I just, I just want to say, Scotty, if you don't, if you don't pop out a kid here in like a couple of years, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really pissed. Okay. I'll you need to like, now's the time, mate. No, I'm keeping it low key here. Kirkwood, well, you're not allowed to have any kids anytime soon. Yeah, these, this is old people talk I'm, I'm, here. I'm, I'm like, do not get sucked into this conversation, young man, because I don't have not. Don't worry. <laughs> Joseph, baby names, if you had to pick, uh, if it's a boy, for example, if you had to pick from any and all of your Team Penske, Carpenter, Sarah Fisher, you name it, teammates, what would that first name be? What would be the one choice if you decided to go? If it's a boy, what would you choose? Well, I think Ed Carpenter has crushed it with his names. You know, Ryder and Cruz. Like, those are those are cool names. Those are really cool boy names. Um, I don't know. You know. I, I can see a Joseph Jr. I really could. There is, no, jo- there is no Jr. Coming, coming. No, I could see a Joseph. Ojo Jr. I mean, everybody knows that this kid's going to be named uh, Little Roger. Um, you know, <laughs> why he wouldn't be named Roger. <laughs> Bloke's coming out with a Team Petsky hat on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with a six hundred one hat too. Uh, you know, you want to know that a six hundred dollar name bribe? So, so serious talk. When I when Ed found out that we were pregnant, he called me and he was like, he literally said this. He was like, Joseph, you have to tell Roger. And when you when you sit down with him, just you know, break the news to him. Be like, hey, we're having a baby. Um, and just straight straight to his face, deadpan, just be like, yeah, and we're we're naming him Roger. And just don't say anything else. Just like, just drop that on him and see what he says. And I thought that was a really hilarious idea, um, but also something I could never do. I just can't. I don't think I can joke like that with with RP. But then, how do you how do you bounce back from when you tell him that, and then you don't go you don't go through with it? Well, that's you tell the thing. Captain, doesn't happen, and then all of a sudden you're like, Ah, Raj, I'm just messing with you. You and can't then, mess with with the captain. How about you're taking you're taking offers? On who the Godfather would be, and see whether Cindric uh, steps up with the best, you know, cash offer. RP Bud Denker, right? There's so many people. Let's see what kind of money you can squeeze out of people. Who wants? Uh, it's it's a hundred percent Bud Denker if it's of that group. You know, the Silver Fox. I mean, I don't I don't know who wouldn't want the Silver Fox as their story. Godfather story story story. Ryan Terpster, why don't you unmute yourself, my friend, and. Uh, Welcome into uh, the mayhem here. We call our hashtag race and family show. Appreciate the opportunity MP. So I've, I've got a couple of questions. We'll, we'll stick with a quick one for Joseph. So what are you going to name your new mortal combat fatality move at the end of the race where you just ripped Scott's heart out, man? 
that's the uh, the Scott. No, that's the <laughs> what were we calling you. I had a nickname for you. No, we can't say that. Um, we're just gonna call that the uh, the, the Texas high noon. icebreaker. The high noon. The high noon. Oh, it is the high noon. It's the, the, high it's the Scotty high noon right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm a big I'm a big high noon guy, and and Joseph high noon me. So um, yeah, unfortunate. Awesome move at the end of the race. The awesome finish. Exciting to watch. So one of the things we talked about after St. Pete was all the respect that Kyle gained from his peers. And Joseph even brought it up again tonight. This one's more for MP and and for Chris. I'm not going to put any of the drivers uh, under the bus here. Devlin make a lot of enemies on Sunday. Uh, you want me to grab this wheeler or you want this one? I mean, <clears throat> you can comment on it. I, I got, I got, here's the thing. Everybody's been in the position, right? Like everybody's been a rookie. Everybody has gone in full of piss vinegar and, and, and confidence. Um, look, the kid made a couple mistakes. Were they costly? Yes. Did not only did it end his race, but it ended multiple races. But, you know, at the same time, you don't want it to happen. It's going to happen. And um, I feel like, and this is the situation where, and I know a lot of drivers that are now veterans have had this for, in the past. It's time for some of the veterans, especially maybe the ones that he, that he made contact with, to take the higher ground and to have the, the real in-depth conversation with them, right? I'm not going to lie. Everybody says when you go oval racing, there's two drivers. There's the ones that have crashed and the ones that haven't. He had a pretty solid hit. I feel like that alone is going to teach him a lesson. But I, I'm hopeful that the paddock and the drivers around him pull him aside, send him the private text, private phone call. Nothing needs to be out in the open and give the, hey, man, look. Hopefully that's going to be enough. I was blown away, Chris, by Graham Rahal's response on TV. Uh, normally Graham can get the knives out and he's really good at getting the knives out. And I was genuinely impressed with the level of maturity he displayed there. Uh, I thought he kind of gave the, the uncle, the uncle's response, pulling the kid aside saying, Hey, you got talent, you got capability, but you cannot, cannot lose your mind like this. You got to think your way through this stuff. He's a good kid. Uh, he's going to learn. He has a lot to learn. He screwed up as big as you can do, uh, taking out others for no particular reason at one of the scariest ovals we go to. But he's not a bad kid. He's going to learn. He's This is going to hurt him. This is something where ego-wise and pride-wise, this is going to sting. And maybe Joseph, Scotty, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Sometimes it takes a crash like this for a young driver to gain a wider perspective that maybe they didn't have before. Sometimes you have to piss a lot of people off and kind of eat that humble pie to really take that next level up to hopefully not do it again. You know, yeah. Marshall, sorry, go ahead, Scotty. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's a, it's a tough um, subject for any driver to speak about another driver who's going through a pretty, Hard thing, and obviously I went through the rookie year uh, last year and went through my ups and downs. But the whole time, like you're trying to gain respect from your peers. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's important, especially in this 
the sport when you're going, you know, 240 mile an hour next to each other and, and pretty dicey out there. And um, I actually just watched the race back and, and yeah, like, like the move that he put on um, the, you know, the Alio and, and Graham, you know, he had the run for sure, but it was probably something that he was on the apron. It wasn't really going to happen. So, um, but then you have a guy like sort of Kyle, he's coming in and he's sort of, you know, he's probably on the opposite end of the spectrum and, and, low key just going about his business doing his thing um but yeah like some just people have different um uh, i guess uh ideas on how they're going to attack how they're going to attack everything and it's yeah it's, it's it's interesting it's it's a it's just a more of a mindset thing i think you have from growing up from when you're racing as a kid like how you approach things how how hard you you attack Are you, do you push it early or do you do you back off the throttle and sometimes you know guys have different aspects and that comes from the very start of racing and you know, it's hard to iron that stuff out but eventually like you said he's talented he'll get it eventually it's just uh you know, it's obviously been in the in the news for a little bit more of the wrong reasons lately um but he'll eventually you know, get it sorted i'm sure yeah it's a good it's a good point it's just, it is hard you know i think scotty's scotty's right the 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 main thing is that it's a small community, right? And IndyCar racing requires a, a higher level of, of respect amongst each other because of the the commitment level and the speeds and just the nature of this style of racing. You know, there's there's less margin for error and it, it, it you know, requires more discretion and more accuracy and, and um, you know, I think more judgment. Um, so, you know, it, I, I think if you get yourself in trouble enough, it's, you're not going to be doing it long enough if you keep going. But what you, what you would like to stop is, you know, when you're new, you don't, you don't even want to have to learn the lesson the hard way. Cause you don't, you don't want someone else impacted by that. Unfortunately, sometimes you just, you have to. Um, but yeah, well, you know, these things have a, have a way of ironing themselves out and, uh, it is, it is tough. It's, this is a, it's a tough level. Look, you know, just coming in as a rookie on, on this level in general is, is hard. It's really, really hard nowadays. It's so close and, you know, everyone can fight so hard that, you know, trying to find that, that balance is, it's not easy. It's not as easy as you probably would think from the outside. He's a good, nope. he's a good kid. He's got a good head, good heart. You know, nobody for quote forgets these things totally, but if this is one of two or three type errors that he makes as a rookie, I, I don't think anyone you know goes away being super mad at him at the end of the year. If this is something that keeps happening and keeps happening, like you said, that's going to kind of dictate it. He's going to dictate his future if this becomes something that happens too frequently. But I don't think it is. I think he, I really do think this has hit him hard, and he's going to come back uh, better because of it. Because you know, uh, that's the type of kid that he is. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, we got uh, maybe 20 minutes or so left before my wife's appointment's done. And I got to go inside and pay and get us uh, buckled up and out the door. Who, uh, Brett Keys, you've been sitting here on mute forever, brother. Why don't you uh, unmute yourself and uh, say hello to the champs and uh, take the floor. Hey, guys, appreciate you having me on. Uh, thanks for the free content, as always. Um, in the years that I've been watching IndyCar, I can say I haven't seen a ton of pit lane speeding penalties and watched Connor Daly get two yesterday, which obviously ruined his race. I know on his uh, social media, he said he didn't have enough info to officially comment, 
But in a hypothetical situation, if this pit speed limiter is not working, is that on the team side or the engine manufacturer side? Um, well, there's multiple things involved there. It's hard to, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look to pin that on, on one person or, you know, one organization. Uh, I think that's hard to do. And that's probably why he hasn't spoken on it more, um, you know, more broadly. Uh, there's multiple things that can go wrong if it's not calibrated correctly. It's, it's happened to me a couple times where my pit speed limiter hasn't worked. And I, I, th I think I got three penalties in one race. Oh. Um, it's, it really only happened to me one time. IMS but, Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever shouted that out. Yep. That's right. I had yeah three on that one race, which was crazy. Um, but you know, there's multiple things that go into calibrating it and a lot of different people. So I don't think there's, there's one person to blame. I don't know that that happened by the way, too. I'm just speaking hypothetically if that is the case, but you could also have a wheel speed, you could have wheel speed sensor issue. I mean, there's a number of things where you could say, it is not human error. You know, it's pretty rare when somebody mistakenly puts in, you know, 600 miles an hour as the pit speed limit instead of 60 or whatever it happens to be. But yeah, I mean, there's Brett, there's definitely uh, the possibility for, for many chefs being uh, possible uh, results or, or reasons for the issue. And it could also just simply be some sort of electronic glitch. I mean, there were plenty of those yesterday. Rossi, of course, um, actually had a, a wiring issue. The, uh, the wiring lead to the alternator, uh, for reasons unknown, uh, chafed and severed from what I understand. His mechanics are excellent. They wouldn't do something to intentionally make any wire chafe and malfunction. But again, you know, these, these machines are imperfect, just like, uh, the rest of us who, uh, uh write about them, drive them, turn wrenches on them. You think about the zillions of things that go into uh, an Indy car, any other race car. And honestly, I'm just amazed more things don't fail on a regular basis. So, uh, but yeah, pit lane speed limit failure or issues for Connor. He didn't have a good day that I think we can, we can say for sure. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, who else do we, uh, do we welcome in here to speak? Well, it looks like uh, we've got Eric Jackson here. Uh, all the way from Hayward, California, according to his bio. So, Eric, want you to meet yourself, man? Yeah, about twenty miles away from where my wife and I are right now, Eric, in Dublin. How's it going, you guys? Uh, great race. Was happy with the uh, product there that IndyCar put on there at Texas. If we go back there next season, uh, and with the success that the second lane session or the willpower uh, traction hour there had, do we see Firestone maybe using the reds just for that session, just to kind of rubber it in a little more i love the idea of reds on an oval holy cow yeah that that's interesting i just think that would probably make more cars go out there and do it i mean we all said even in the um the, the, between me joseph and will as well we all said that um if there's more cars out there it's probably going to help the cause even more but everyone was scared to include myself so um yeah so that it, it's yeah, I think they, they maybe make the session longer and make it, I guess, more mandatory. But I, I, I think it was definitely a, a, um, a good session for that and building that lane, even though it wasn't like the grip percentage was probably not as, you know, as much as, say, um, the, the proper racing line. It's still, as you saw, was you were able to hold your line a lot better than you had been in years past, which was a good thing. 
Hey, I have a question. I have a question for Kyle, if I can. First time caller, long time listener. Go for it. Oh, thank you, sir. Kyle, what was it like working with the legendary John Wick? Dude, he is insane when it comes to oval stuff. He is so good. Um, I, he was a massive help this weekend, just with setup stuff, understanding what's going on, kind of mentoring me through the entire thing. He just like, there's something about him. It's just so level headed. He's always like, you have like a sense of security around him. I don't know why, but it's like his personality is just awesome. And don't kill his dog, by off. the way. Don't kill his dog. Don't kill his dog. You don't want John Wick coming after you. That's oh yeah, no, you're right. He does look like John Wick. I remember what was it the the 500 party where he literally looked identical to John Wick. Good old Jerry Hildebrand, another Barrier product. Gotta love him. <laughs> AKA Pit Lane Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Bartosh, why don't you uh, unmute yourself, my friend? Uh, you got one of the final questions here on this episode of the Hashtag Racing Family Show, powered by some really good friends of ours. Brilliant, brilliant, guys. Nice to meet you. Hello. My name is Bart. I'm covering, I'm commenting uh, IndyCar series for Via Play in Poland. And I have a question on drivers, because uh, before you start, we've been watching Formula One. Do you follow Formula One? Have you seen the race uh, that was on, on Bahrain? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about the race? Yeah, were you guys watching that in the bus at all before having to come out for driver intros? Because, like, the checkered flag came almost right when our green flag uh, came out. Go Leclerc. Yeah, we, we were watching a little bit in the Penske truck for a bit, me and Joseph. Um, big fans of, uh, of, of Leclerc. Big Charles guy. Um, yeah, I mean... Don't know much more to add. We only, we didn't see much really, but we only saw probably ten or so laps. But it was yeah. um yeah, it was good. Yeah, we we honestly we watched the heck out of Formula One, and we talk about it a lot. I mean, it's yeah. just you know I think I don't know how Scott is the most amazing to me. I don't know how he consumes so much sports. I, I just don't <laughs> even get it. Like he's he's got M NCAA going on. He's got football. He's got, like, soccer. I don't even know what he's watching, and he's watching every form of motorsports. I can pretty much only keep up on the motorsports side. Um, but Formula One, yeah, we, we we follow it pretty intensely in our group just because it's, you know, it's fun to see what they're up to. Kirkwood, uh, AJ, does uh, Super Tex have uh, Formula One on in the uh, the motor coach there before the race? I, I didn't watch any of it, to be honest. I, I didn't watch a single practice, qualifying, nothing. I just know what the what the results were. Um, I, I will go back and watch. I mean, that's usually what I do on weekends. I mean, I'm full focus. I forget that there's other racing going on around me. Um, but no, I'll, I'll watch it sometime this week. It, it sounded like it was pretty interesting watching, seeing, seeing what people posted on Twitter and some of the racing going on. I think it was between, uh, Max and Charles or science. I'm not sure what was a Ferrari and Red Bull at least. Um, so, I mean, it seems interesting and, and the mix up is kind of strange. I mean, it's cool to see Ferrari back up there. It's a uh, some more contenders. It seems to be. How about uh, Scotty and Joseph in particular? How about Sebring? I didn't get back uh, Saturday night. Genuinely got into the hotel room, turned on the TV. Wheeler and I were kicking off another racing family show, and I got fireworks and the cool down lap. I didn't see a single lap of Sebring, but Joseph, I know you've been trying to get into sports cars for years now either of you if we don't have future calendar conflicts 
whether it's with Roger or someone else, uh, would you guys love to tick Sebring off of your uh, your career box? Well, I'd be hiring Scotty all day. You know, I think that's a it's a strong shoe in to put in. Um, you know, selfish plug. I'd love to do it too. I think I could do the job. You know, anybody listening out there, give me a shot. I'd love to represent the brand and uh, you know help you help you win a race. I think I could contribute. Yeah, any any team bosses out there would um you know consider a couple of drivers that done a couple of things would be fantastic. Um we know a couple of team owners, me and Joseph, but we'll see what we can do. Kirkwood, what about you? You were supposed to be competing in Sebring. That kind of got shut down and whatnot, but were you trying to keep tabs as much as you could on your uh, your Lexus brothers and sisters? I mean, I was I was texting back and forth with, with the boys and, and uh the engineers. So, I mean, I mean, I was so hopeful to do the race, right? I mean, that plug kind of got pulled about a month ago um, once the, uh, the final schedule of Texas came out. And uh, it's pretty unfortunate that I wasn't able to drive there. I mean, it would have been nice to be back in the Lexus. And they were competitive, right? I mean, they, they, were, um, they were looking at a P3 finish, and, and they ran out of fuel. There's a miscalculation somehow. Um, but they were, they were fighting gremlins the entire race from, from my knowledge. It sounded like they had a cool suit break or their cool suit box broke early in the race. And supposedly it was miserably hot. And that Lexus is the hottest car to drive. You have to run with the helmet blower and the cool suit, or you'll be absolutely whooped after a stint. So, and they all had this, the cool suit shirt on hoping that they could get it to work and it didn't (laughs) work. So you just have hot steamy water running around you um the entire race so i mean they didn't do it themselves any favors with that but um now i mean sebring's such a special event right i mean there's so many people that go out there it's got so so much history behind it and um it's w- one of the top races i look forward to racing each year i mean i've only done it twice and i was looking at doing it my third time this year unfortunately i didn't get to do it but uh hopefully next year i'll get another shot at it one of the things that i love from last weekend now, if we're talking about the Team Penske side, guys, and the Team Chevy side, Joseph, uh, obviously you winning, uh, but also the first race win for your race engineer, Eric Lotto. We spoke about that yesterday. So happy for him and the two of you, obviously. And then really cool as well on Saturday, uh, Danielle Shepard. Uh, so this was Eric's second ever race as a uh, IndyCar race engineer wins at Danielle in her second ever race as a race engineer for the Chip Ganassi team, their O2 Cadillac, also kind of part of the general uh, motors family too. She got her very first win as race engineer, overall race winner there too. So definitely some pretty cool stuff for young talent, uh, male and female on the race engineering side last weekend. Hey, Caleb Whistler, why don't you uh, unmute yourself? You're going to be one of the last folks to take us home here in this episode. All right, so knowing the love for Uncrustables, saw this on TikTok on Saturday, is an Uncrustable a sandwich or is it ravioli? It's a sandwich coming from a man who loves bread, although I don't get to eat it anymore. An Uncrustable is a sandwich. It's just in an altered state. It's 100% a sandwich. I mean, I don't want to get calories, but it's definitely a sandwich. That's not even a thought in my mind. It's just a sandwich that just creased around it without the crust. That's why it's incrustable. I like it. Caleb, we've solved the world's greatest mystery. 
So uh, we thank you for that. Come back next week. We're going to, I don't know, solve world hunger with your question. Uh, where do we go next? Uh, why don't we invite uh, JJ Gertler back? Uh, what do you got for us, JJ? As JJ connects here, um, I just want to take a quick second to once again thank our partners, Cooper Tires, Justice Brothers, and TorontoSports.com for uh, supporting our program. And JJ, you're back here. What do you got? Well, what I hope is taking us out on a high note, and it's for Mr. Kirkwood. Uh, According to the TV broadcast, the man whose name is over the door on your team was in attendance at the race. Did you get any feedback afterward on your performance from Supertex? Man, he was he was absolutely stoked with our race. You know, he we led some. I mean, granted, we're off strategy, right? But he was he was happy to see that number fourteen car back at the front. Um, man, I've I haven't seen him so happy this year, um, except for with that performance because he was like, er, stuff like that happens, right? He's like, it's not the first time that'll happen. Um, it's not the first time that happened. It won't be the last time. That's what he told me. And he's like, I'm just happy to see we're. We're performing and we're uh, contending for for some, uh, or we're competitive. That's that's what he's happy to see. So um, he was definitely he was definitely shining after the race. He was super happy. Uh, that's a good question. And Jesse is connecting now. And as soon as Jesse connects here, Marshall, I think Jesse is now in and yeah. is the final question. Well, well, but we've also we've got a troublemaker who's joined. In one Connor Daly, uh, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, we th- this we might be crashing the the, the ship here uh, to close. But Jesse, the floor is yours. All right, thank you. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, this one is for Scott and Joseph. Um, in regards to sports cars, you mentioned earlier, has Roger brought up bringing you and you, Scott and Joseph, in for the Porsche LMDH program next year to potentially fight for overall wins at Daytona and Le Mans with some of the factory Porsche guys and already some of the guys he's hired for the OMP2 program, like the the great Dane Cameron. Uh, what, what, has there been any uh, discussions yet? Um, you know, I think it's, it's obviously a great program that's being put together uh, with Team Penske and Porsche. And, you know, they've got some great, great, great people, some from the IndyCar side that we've seen migrate over there. So we, we definitely get a little lead in, um, into their world and what they've got going on. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they're anywhere near making their sort of decisions on, on who's going to be in the program, but I know Scott and myself, we would love to be a part of it. I think really anything we got going on at Team Penske, we'd love to be a part of. So it's probably the best way I can put it. It's going to be a, a really world-class effort and, um, you know, it'd be an honor to represent it, especially with someone like Scott. I mean, it would be a pretty cool program to be, you know, be a part of with him. All right, thanks. Yeah. And uh, to Scott? Yeah, no, no, just basically exactly what Joseph said. It's uh, like we know a lot of people, obviously my engineer from last year, he, he ducked across um, to basically run the program. So like Joseph said, we know a lot of good people, a lot of good mechanics, a lot of you know, people that have gone across that program. So, um, you know, would would uh, would love to be a part of it, but it's absolutely too sort of early to you know even start those discussions yet. But um, we'll uh, yeah, we'll just watch it with um, yeah, intent. You know, the LMP two is going to be a big step for the team, and you know, excited to see how they you know, sort of build with that before they jump into the LMDH program. 
Yep. Uh, and just one final quick one for Scott. Uh, Simmons, the uh, next Supercars round at Simmons Plains is coming up this weekend, and with Chas Moss leading the championship ahead of Anton and um, SVG, um, who do you think will take out um, t- the Tasmanian round? Oh, look, I think Chaz has been pretty strong, so I think he'll be probably the one to beat. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, Shane and, and Triple Eight as well are very strong down there at, at Tasmania. So, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for the category that, you know, Chaz is sort of nipping at Shane's heels and Triple Eight and, and Anton's sort of right there too. So, um, yeah, certainly sort of cheering on the DJR guys because that, that's my old team. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it will be interesting to watch. Yes, all right. All right, thank you guys for giving the responses. I hope you guys enjoyed that In-N-Out Burger. Also, shout-out to Kyle Kirkwood in the chat. And uh, bring on Long Beach next month. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, bro. Thanks, Jesse, for sure. So, Joseph, uh, are you heading out in the morning back home from good old Scranton? Do uh, you have anything interesting for dinner tonight? Tell us what's going on. What's what's the other side of your uh, – team media obligation here with one of your key partners ppg i don't know what i was doing here look i was just low-key trying to eavesdrop and i got you know i got i got in here and now i've been in here for an hour i was i was gonna go to bed i have to be up at 3 30 in the morning to get onto a connecting flight through charlotte to go to nashville so that's my program i i mowed down some pizza about two hours ago i'm just trying to get some sleep now what kind of pizza you know, it was it was just a plain pepperoni pizza. Okay, all right. I was hoping it he's wasn't not, like hot pocket pizza in your in your hotel room. No, 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 no. I, was I, ditched, him for, I ditched him for In and Out last night. He, he was taking too long. Yes, <laughs> Scott was supposed to wait, and he didn't. And then I called him, and he said he was already there ordering. And I showed up, and he was leaving. My heart yeah. was my heart was broken. Well, you tore his heart out. Come on. What do you think the yeah. guy's going to do? I threw, I, threw a, I threw a high noon around the outside of him coming out of an out burger. <laughs> Wheeler, why don't you uh, take us home with one of your uh, now patented uh, farewells, which uh, is one of my favorite parts of our little Hashtag Racing Family show. Well, once again, folks, our Hashtag Racing Family show is going to come to an end here on this beautiful Monday night, obviously, Kyle, Joseph, Scott, thank you guys so much for joining us. Will, Ben, Andy, Lally, and everybody who's asked a question, of course, we want to thank you for joining us. And as I look back and reflect on Texas, all I can think about is the celebration and Joseph jumping out of the car and how exciting that was. And in that thought, remind me of one of my favorite quotes, and that is that luck is not a business model. It's an Anthony Bourdain quote, and... It just describes hard work, determination, and, and and they're really never giving up. And if you watch the closing laps of the XBL 350, that's exactly what Joseph did, and that's exactly what all of these guys live by, that luck is not a business model. You've got to work hard. You've got to put in the time. And this year, this time around, it, it, it showed positive for Joseph and heartbreak for Scott. But that's it, folks. Work hard. You'd rather be – good at something been lucky in the big picture of it so thanks again for joining us thanks to our partners cooper tires justice brothers and of course tronmotorsports.com i'm chris wheeler from my steam co-host and colleague marshall pruitt thank you for joining us and we will see you the next time we pop up in your twitter space